0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat if you want to be part of today's show. Got a lot to talk about uh, the big news nationally right now. Hurricane Adalia, uh currently in the Gulf, currently sitting at a Category 1 hurricane at about... 85 miles an hour. Uh, It developed later than most people were thinking. Uh, The the storm had not organized as fast as they thought it would over those warm waters. So it developed a little bit later. Now, it's still expected to be a major hurricane, a category three hurricane that will hit the Florida coast, that big bend, that elbow of Florida, uh, by early, early Wednesday morning. And... Ron DeSantis has suspended all of his campaigning to go to Florida to help manage the fallout from the storm. The storm surge looks like it's going to be bad. Uh, Looking at a live radar right now, it is uh, a very massive storm, and it's only going to get bigger. Now, this is uh, compared to Hurricane Franklin, which is out in the Atlantic. It is a huge storm. It is a Category 4. It does not look like it will be hitting land. Its path is taking it pretty much far away from any sort of landfall. Uh, we'll probably weaken over the next couple days uh, as we get uh, further on. But Hurricane Adalia is sitting in the Gulf. It is not going to impact Louisiana. There might be some of those clouds that are developing into the storm might hit the very tip, the very southeastern tip of Louisiana, but we're not going to see a whole lot out of the storm. But Florida is going to be taking a massive, massive hit here. It will be a category three in the hours before it makes uh before the eye makes landfall in Florida. So that is going to be uh that is going to be potentially catastrophic. Now it is a category three. It's not the most devastating one out there, but it is, it is still going to be very serious for the people of Florida. Now I want to start with Florida today. Because there is a story from the Associated Press. There's also a story from NBC News that's the same way, but I want to focus on the Associated Press. And I want to start by giving you guys a little bit of inside baseball, because as you know, we have a digital component to our station. We have kpel965.com. When you write digital content, and I also write digital content for Red State, so I I have more experience than just the station I've been at for a year and a half. But when you write digital content, there are several things that you are doing to make sure that the audience you want picks up the story that you are writing. And I need to start that. I need you to understand why the Associated Press has written and scripted this story the way it has. There's a thing called SEO, search engine optimization. Whenever you go to a website, if you were to type in www.kpal965.com, that's the URL to the website. Now, if you click a story on our website, so let's say uh, the story I wrote earlier about Chick-fil-A's new sandwich being available in Lafayette. It would be kpal965.com slash chick Chick Fil A new chicken sandwich pimento honey pepper Lafayette Louisiana. The reason why those words don't match the headline of the story, which is Chick Fil A's new Lafayette uh, new chicken sandwich is available in Lafayette Louisiana stores, is because part of the SEO strategy, part of that search engine optimization strategy, is about people who go searching for Chick Fil A's new sandwich on Google. Are more likely to find it. If somebody searches is Chick-fil-A's new sandwich available in Lafayette. This is going to be one of the top uh, results on Google. Every website that you go to has some sort of SEO strategy. That is how they get people to go to their websites. So that they can read the information that's on there. Now that's a technical explanation for how digital content works. I bring it up because if you were to go to apnews.com/article/jacksonville-racist-shooting-desantis that is SEO for a story for anybody who's looking up a way to prove that Ron DeSantis is racist. And that it's Ron DeSantis who is somehow at fault for the racist shooting that happened in Florida in Jacksonville over the weekend. A man with Nazi leanings, a mentally unstable man, shot and killed three black people in Jacksonville. Here's the headline from the Associated Press. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis faces black leaders' anger after racist killings in Jacksonville. What you need to know is that this story was written by a reporter whose Twitter bio says, among other things, the other side is not the enemy. First of all, reporters don't have sides, or they shouldn't. They're not supposed to. But he's making the point that the other side is not the enemy, that just because you disagree with somebody does not make them the enemy. And yet he has authored a piece. Here's his tweet on the piece. Ron DeSantis scoffed when the NAACP issued a travel advisory this spring warning black people to use extreme care of traveling to Florida. Just three months later, DeSantis is leading his state through the aftermath of a racist attack that left three African-Americans dead. Black leaders in Florida and across the nation say they're outraged by his actions and rhetoric ahead of the shooting. What you also need to know is that earlier... The URL for this story not only included Jacksonville racist shooting and DeSantis, but it also included the words Republicans Haley and Scott, as in Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Everything about the story was designed to not only paint a narrative, but to paint a narrative that was easily searchable by progressives who wanted ammo against Donald Trump against Ron DeSantis. Here's the story. Ron DeSantis Scott from the NAACP issued a travel advisory this spring warning black people to use extreme care if traveling to Florida. The, civil right, the leading civil rights groups argued that the state's loose gun laws and the Republican governor's quote anti-woke campaign to deny the existence of systemic racism created a culture of open hostility toward African-Americans and people of color. Just three months later, DeSantis is leading his state through the aftermath of a racist attack that left three African-Americans dead. Black leaders in Florida and across the nation say they're outraged by his actions and rhetoric ahead of the shooting. Now, here's what's important about this story, everybody. At no point in this AP story, the Associated Press, at no point in the Associated Press story, do they actually show any rhetoric or action from Ron DeSantis that led to the attack over the weekend. Donald Trump very famously called the media the enemy of the people. And the media apparently said challenge accepted because they are going out of their way, it seems like, to prove that Donald Trump was right on that. There is nothing that Ron DeSantis said or did to inspire the attack in Jacksonville. But the media wants you to believe that's what happened. It's pretty disgusting. Actually, it's it's more than that. It is revolting. It is completely dishonest. This story is written from a dishonest angle. The idea that Ron DeSantis and that that's what they're trying to don't don't get anything twisted here. What they are trying to do is blame, blame the racist attack over the weekend on Ron DeSantis. But they cannot cite anywhere in the story anything that DeSantis said or did that would inspire a mentally unstable guy who claims to be a Nazi who wrote a manifesto. First of all, if you write a manifesto, you are mentally unstable. Hands down, that's the only the only people who write manifestos are people who want to leave behind some crazy rant about why the world is against them. This guy, a Nazi who's mentally unstable, wrote a manifesto, killed three people. And that, according to the Associated Press, according to NBC News, according to others in the media, that, that was all, that's Ron DeSantis' fault. But they cannot prove how it was DeSantis's fault. So when Donald Trump or any other Republican at this point says the media is the enemy of the people... And the media whines and complains about it. You point to this and you say, but you wrote this story. You endorsed this story that claimed Ron DeSantis was responsible for a racist idiot killing three black people in Florida. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPEL two three two fifteen forty two is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPEL app chat like Billy did. It's funny how they released all the details on the racist shooter right away, but when it helped their agenda. But we're still waiting on the details from uh, from the the, the transgender uh, person who shot uh, who who the school shooting in Tennessee. If you'll recall that. And Billy raises a good point. There's no interest there. But you know why there's no interest there? This is from the Washington Free Beacon. Just out today. Associated Press coverage of courts courts and climate bankrolled by dozens of left-wing foundations. The Associated Press, the country's top wire service, is now bankrolled in part by millions of dollars from left-wing foundations, including one founded by 1619 Project author Nicole Hannah-Jones. The news organization last year announced a series of partnerships to subsidize reporters covering covering climate change, race, and democracy. A review of the donor roster shows the vast majority fund left-wing political causes, while none are supporters of conservative initiatives. The Ida B. Wells Society, founded by 1619 Project Lightning Rod Hannah-Jones, has teamed up with filmmaker Steven Spielberg's Heartland Foundation, for example, to foster more inclusive storytelling at the Associated Press. In some ways, it's a natural partnership. The AP's Global Investigations editor, Ron Nixon, serves on the Ida B. Wells Society's board of directors. In others, it may prove more problematic, given that Hannah Jones' own reporting has been disputed by historians who have argued, among other things, that her account of the motivations of the American revolutionaries is factually inaccurate. The funding, much of which comes from these sort of overly political actors, will make it more challenging for the Associated Press to swat away accusations. Of political bias. In one high-profile example, critics blasted the organization for revising its style guide to instruct reporters to, avo- reporters to avoid using the term, terms like the French, which the AP indicated was dehumanizing. That's right. It is dehumanizing to call people the French, which may actually be fair. Not Cajun French, French French. Let's be clear on that. All sides, a group that tracks media bias across the industry, last year changed its rating for the AP from center to lean's left, citing that it that it's citing what it said was an increase in word choice bias and bias by omission of views. Case in point, the Ron DeSantis story I mentioned a little while ago. At no point do they cite any evidence that Ron DeSantis used any action or rhetoric that inspired the racist shooter over the weekend. In fact, there's nothing from any Republican in the story. It's all from Democrats and race leaders in Florida. And they're all characterizing what he's done. There's not a single thing that they actually quote Ron DeSantis on that proves that he had some hand in that attack or in some way inspired it. The same groups that are funding the AP on these initiatives are the same groups that funded, uh, uh, What's it called? Um, uh, ProPublica. The ones funding ProPublica with the attacks on the Supreme Court justices like Clarence Thomas. These are all the same groups, all the same left-wing money that goes in to fund this, quote, journalism that is meant to just attack Republicans and conservatives. So, again... If reporters get mad at being called the enemy of the people, maybe they should stop acting like the enemy of the people and they should start actually reporting news rather than their opinion couched as news. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back here on The Joe Cunningham Show in just a few moments. Your calls 232-1542. Your uh, comments on the app, KPL News app. Go there now. Leave a message. We'll get to those on the air when we get back more of your news of the day. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number or send a message through the KPL app chat. Shout out to Mark, Billy and Mike, all of whom have commented uh, during this hour so far. Mike chiming in, uh, you know, last segment, just explaining why most folks do not trust the media. And I think Mike's right. I think the majority of the public is starting to see it. that's why the media's approval rating is somewhere is hovering somewhere around Congresses. It's not high at all. A lot of people simply do not trust the media. And it's because the media has made it very, very easy to not trust them. So we'll see uh, if the media will actually make any substantive changes. You know, we can't we can't be a free country without an honest press, and we don't have an honest press right now. We have a press that is more motivated by clickbait; hence, the SEO that I mentioned in the URL of the um, of of the DeSantis story. They're more interested in clickbait and ratings and things like that. They're more interested in all of the things that would make people go to their sites rather than accurately portraying the news. It's, it, and it's it's pretty shameful. Now, I want to move on. Uh, the Biden administration is very nervous right now. So we are two years removed from the Afghanistan withdrawal. And in a book coming up, In the next little bit, I forget the actual release date of this book. But in a book about Biden's administration, his first term, hopefully his only term, the Biden administration is worried about an unflattering portrait being painted by the writer. And the writer is from the Atlantic. You know, it's not a right wing source. It's a writer at the Atlantic. But what we're finding out, particularly about the Afghanistan withdrawal, is it's perfectly perfectly, uh, understandable why nobody was fired after the Afghanistan withdrawal. The reason is that literally everybody from the Pentagon to his own staff told Joe Biden it was a terrible idea and he didn't listen. Biden was bearing a grudge from the Obama administration days. When he was in the Obama administration, he was pushing for a complete withdrawal of of Afghanistan, basically in the same way that was done two years ago. And the Obama administration officials there said, you must be out of your mind, and they didn't go with it. And Biden has apparently had this grudge ever since, And and he was like, by God, if I become the president, I'm going to do it. And he did it. And it was an absolute disaster. Afghanistan fell in record time. One of the lines featured at the Atlantic, because they're starting to do some releases on this and starting to pull out excerpts and stories based on this book. One of the lines One of the subheads from a story at The Atlantic today is Joe Biden was determined to get out of Afghanistan no matter the cost. And apparently no matter the fact that everybody in his administration told him it was a bad idea. There are some problems here for the Biden administration. When Biden's numbers started tanking, it started after the Afghanistan withdrawal. You remember there was a huge dip in Biden's uh, approval rating, and it's never really recovered. And it started after the Afghanistan withdrawal. It was such a massive cluster. I can't finish the word because the FCC would kick in the door and take me down and probably tase me a couple times. But you know what I'm going to say after I say the word cluster. It was such a cluster that even the media could not avoid reporting on it. Even folks like Jake Tapper were uh, were harsh on the Biden administration for just how much of a disaster it was. Now they changed their tune pretty quickly because they realized that oh yeah, this guy's on our side. And we need to uh, we need to not pummel him so much. And they pulled back quite a bit on it. But nobody has ever, no journalist has ever really taken a dive into what all happened and we have this book coming out and this book is based on a staggering 300 interviews between November 2020 and February 2023 it was just going to be a book on the first 100 days of the Biden administration but it turned into something a whole lot more and it's become an entire administration long uh book writing session and it's going to come out soon And the Biden administration is worried. Politico this morning referenced the story, talking about it in their morning playbook, and mentioned that a generally leak-proof Biden administration was worried about it. And my first thought was, does Politico not pay attention to their own right? Politico exists because of White House leaks. People read Politico because of what politicians in Washington, D.C., leak to Politico. It becomes insider information and Politico writes it. And yet somehow they want to say that the Biden administration has been generally leak proof. Politico is filled day in and day out with whispers from inside the Biden administration. Those are leaks. There are leaks from the Biden White House. There are leaks from the vice president's office. There are leaks from various administrations in the government. None of it has painted a good picture of the Biden administration. They have tried, the media has tried to spin it, has tried to play great PR for Joe Biden, but it's not sticking. The American people do not have a favorable opinion of Joe Biden. They feel he's too old, including like something like two thirds of Democrats feel he's too old to be in the office. But I go back to the problem that I mentioned yesterday. and I mentioned it again this morning at Red State. Because at some point, the Democrats have to realize there is a problem. The National Archives admit that there are 5,400 emails where Joe Biden, as vice president, was using a nom de plume. He was using an alias in his communications with his son. The National Archives said, after conducting a search of our email system using the emails that were provided by a group, we, uh, they were provided by, I forget the, the, the legal group, but uh, the National Archives said, after conducting a search of our email system using the emails you provided, we were unable to locate any records responsive to your request. So at first, the National Archives said, these don't exist. Then they forwarded to the request from that legal group to the Archive Operations Division, or AOD. That office told this legal group that there was a trove of Biden emails with three specific pseudonyms, robinware at gmail.com, jrbware at gmail.com, and robert.l.peters at pci.gov. That pci.gov appears to be a site that's no longer in existence. So that raises more questions. What was at that site? Now, the AOD says that there are some complications. Federal law requires the National Archives to clear release with Biden and the current office occupant, Vice President Kamala Harris. This means that Harris was given access to Biden's pseudonyms more than a year ago. This this was all revealed a year ago, and we're just now finding out about it because this legal group has now sued to get the emails because the National Archives won't release them. At some point, the Democrats have to look around and realize that there is so much smoke in the room when it comes to the Biden family scandal that they're, they have to admit there's a fire somewhere. And they keep changing it. They keep changing their, their talking points on this. First, it was no way. Joe Biden didn't have anything to do with any of this. Then it became, well, Joe Biden talked to the business. But it was about the weather and stuff like that. And that, Who knows what the talking points going to be now? You don't send 5,400 emails about the weather from pseudonyms. You don't do that. Nobody does that. There are all sorts of signs that this is a big scandal waiting to blow up on the Biden family. Hunter is not a good person. He is not. He is a crack addict who abused his father's last name to score some favorable jobs, and that money flowed to various members of the Biden family. Joe Biden's not a good person. Joe Biden waited until it was politically inconvenient to acknowledge that little Navy Joan, Hunter's illegitimate child, was one of his grandchildren. The Democrats have a real problem on their hands. Their president is deeply unpopular. He's not trusted by the American public at this point, And he's got a potentially explosive family scandal that will be very hard to ignore for much longer. It's po- it's times like this when I give thanks to Barack Obama. Don't call in angrily until I explain why. It is with very little trepidation that Barack Obama wielded a comically oversized battle axe and completely destroyed the Democrat Party's bench to the point where their only options were Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and Kamala Harris. Hillary Clinton lost to Trump. Biden won, but Biden is now one of the most unpopular people in the country. He is old. He is decrepit. He might be a foot into the grave at this point. We don't know. And if he is and something, God forbid, happens, Kamala Harris becomes the president of the United States. And if you think the Biden administration is a disaster right now, just wait for the Harris administration. So I am thankful for Barack Obama. I really am. I realize that he set the country on the wrong path. But after Barack Obama was done being the president, the Democrats had been so thoroughly wiped out that any possible viable candidate they have for president, with the exception of Gavin Newsom, is a joke. And the only reason Gavin Newsom is not a joke is because he has the money and the popularity back home to keep going. Despite the fact that the rest of the country would probably be horrified at what a Newsom administration would bring. But it's extraordinary, is it not? It is extraordinary that the Democrats are at this point and they are refusing to acknowledge that they have this very serious problem on their hands. Because the, Re- the Republicans are looking at impeachment. Kevin McCarthy is looking at impeachment. And I can tell you that what I know behind the scenes is they they are taking it very seriously. It's not just going to be a rush job like the Democrats did. They're going to open an impeachment inquiry. And they're going to use the extensive investigative powers of the House to completely, as I said, flood the zone with all the information they can. You may not get an impeachment. uh, You may not get articles of impeachment before. uh, You may get it right before the 2024 election. But if if the Republicans are smart, which I think they're going to try to take this the smart way, if the Republicans are going to be smart on this, they are going to take their time. They're going to investigate everything. They're going to continue investigating Hunter. They're going to continue investigating why the DOJ appointed David Weiss to be the special counsel for the Hunter Biden stuff. They are going to look into every nook and cranny of the Biden administration. And here's the best part. Normally, yes, Congress can uh, investigate the executive branch, but the executive branch has executive privilege. Impeachment inquiries get around some some of that executive privilege. It actually does get around. The powers of the impeachment process do allow the Republicans to get around some of the executive privilege because of the nature of the impeachment. And as I've said before, God forbid Donald Trump becomes the president in 2025 because hell hath no fury like a Donald Trump scorned. Biden better have the best lawyers. Hunter better have a, a, a place to live in a country with no extradition treaty because you know the Democrats have unsealed this precedent and Trump will go after them with vengeance. Back in a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number or send a message through the KPL app chat. So I do have to tell you the most important story of the day. I referenced it at the beginning of the show. But Chick-fil-A's got a new sandwich out. It is a pimento cheese, honey, pickled jalapeno chicken sandwich. It's the classic chicken sandwich, but there is pimento cheese and honey on it, and the pickles are replaced with pickled jalapenos. The Lord's Chicken Sandwich now has the Lord's Pimento Cheese on top of it. Folks... It's very good. It is very good. Now, they also have a new milkshake. And that might be worth a try. But the sandwich. I I am a big Chick-fil-A fan. Love it. I love the Lord's Chicken Sandwich. I love the Lord's Macaroni and Cheese. I now love his pimento. Um... When this story first, I mean, so this sandwich was originally released in like North and South Carolina like three years ago. And it was a test run in in smaller markets to see if it worked. Apparently, people loved it. So it became a nationwide release. Three years later, it dropped yesterday. I went and I braved the lines at Chick-fil-A. Now, I do need to say that the new Chick-fil-A in town. Despite the fact that everybody was there when I went, the line moved very fast. I did not have to wait long in line. I did not have to wait long to place my order, did not have to wait long to pick up my order. And that's why I believe instead of more bureaucracy, we need Chick-fil-A bureaucracy because they are the ones who can efficiently move the country. Our infrastructure problems would be non-existent if we put Chick-fil-A in charge. I thoroughly believe that. And the construction of the drive through lines at their newest establishment is proof. But yes, the new sandwich is really good. And I don't normally make recommendations on the air, but when I do, they're very important. And there is nothing more important than the Lord's Chicken and Pimento Sandwich. Last look at the app before we go. Chris in New Iberia. How would Hunter survive in another country with no security to watch after him? He's in a bad spot. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, I don't know if he can afford private security, maybe with some more Chinese uh, Communist Party money in his whatever bank account he might have left. But yeah, when all is said and done, when the dust settles from the Biden administration, Hunter Biden is going to be in serious trouble because a Republican administration that comes in will no longer feel the need to be compassionate to their political opponents because the Democrats have shown no quarter on going after Trump and other Republicans. You guys have a fantastic day. I'm going to be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email joe at redstate.com. You can find the podcast version of the show at joecunninghamshow.substack.com, along with my other writings Find those writings there. Find them at redstate.com. If you don't read Red State regularly, I highly recommend it. You get great conservative news and opinion there from me and my colleagues. Shannon is off sides, and he's next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. You guys stick around.